Greetings and welcome back to Mishnah Yomit, the podcast study program sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org, in which each of these mini-podcasts is comprised of the study of two Mishnayot, following the sequence and schedules of uh, publicized by the International Mishnah Yomit. My name is Yitzchak Shalom, and I'm quite honored to be studying Masechek Tubot with you here today. We are past the halfway mark of Masechek Tubot at the end of Perak Zion. We are at Mishnah Yod, and then we'll be studying Perak Chet, Mishnah Aleph. Ve'elu she'kofin otan lohotzi. The following are situations where we do force a husband to divorce his wife and to pay the Ketubah, and that is following on the previous Mishnah when he has certain mumin. Mukeshchin, if he develops a terrible case of boils. Obal polyphus. Polyphus is really like polyps. It's something that like sinusitis that makes breathing very hard. Hamakamates, somebody who collects dung from animals in order to use them for tanning. Hametzareif nechoshet, somebody who forges. Vabursi, a tanner himself. These are all people who either are disgusting or have terrible, terrible smells on them. Whether they were that way before, or maybe they changed professions later on, or got the, the, the disease later on. And Rameer adds that, he says, even if he made a condition with her and said, this is what I do for a living. And she said, okay. She could say, I thought I could take it, but I can't take it. She's, he, Chacham disagree and say, if she explicitly said, I accept it, then she's stuck with it. Except for Mukashchin, except for somebody who has boils, Imnesham Makatu. Because this gets worse, and it also, um, when they have Bia together, she actually has this terrible sensation of sort of eating away at his flesh. Um, so this happened in the city of Sidon. There was a tanner who died, Vayalo Achbursi. And he had a brother who was also a tanner. So regarding Chalit and Yibum, the woman could say, which kind of parallels what we saw uh, in the last chapter at the end about um, about the father giving a same dunya to a brother, not having to. Here she said, she said, I could take your brother who I loved and I married, who was a Bursi, you, his brother, I can't take it, and therefore she can for- force the Chalitza. Okay, the beginning of the eighth parak. The eighth parak has a cute name. It's called Ha'isha Shenaflu, based on the first two words. Uh, and any Hebrew grammarian will see it and say it should be Ha'isha Shenafla. But, of course, that's not what it means out of context. Ha'isha Shenaflu Nechasim. Let's say a woman gets property. Meaning that she's a, let's say, a, 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 a has no, bro, uh, no male siblings. And father dies, so she inherits part or all of the parents' uh, property, the father's property. Achilotitares. That happened before she became Ureset. We'll see why it says Beit Shemim and Hillel agree, because later they'll disagree. She can sell that property, she can give it away, it's all valid. Nobody else has a claim. Even if she later got uh, betrothed, but it fell to her beforehand. Now, if it came to her after Averson, Beit Shemim, here's where they disagree, she could sell, she can't sell, because the husband has a claim on it because of Perot, because he gets the Perot of anything she owns. But Hillel agrees to Beit Shammai that if she does sell it, it's valid. So they asked Rabbi Gamliel, since the husband gains the woman at this point, why doesn't he gain her property such that the sale should be invalid? Why 
we are embarrassed and upset about the fact that even older stuff he could take from her. Now you're trying to add more stuff and say no, stuff that happened here before they were fully married, he should be able to have a claim on? Okay. Now, full on should he say, let's say she was fully married and it came to her. But Shammai Behil will agree that if she goes ahead and sells it, the husband can take it from the buyer. Here's where it gets tricky. It fell to her before marriage, and then she got married, and then she sold it. He says that if she sells, not allowed to, but if she sells it, it's valid. He says that they said to Megamliel, evidently in Yavneh, the same argument. After all, doesn't he have a claim over her? Which means that once he married her, the property becomes under his control, not his, and therefore he should be able to revoke the sale. And according to this version, this is where Megamliel said, we're embarrassed and upset enough about the earlier rulings. Why would you want to add to this, which deprives her of rights over her own property? Okay, we'll pause at this point. We'll pick it up in Parakhet with Mishnah Bet and Gimel in the next podcast. Anytime, but it should have a wonderful day.